0: And by the way, what you all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African-American community with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community.
1: I'm Garrett McQueen. I'm Scott Blankenship. And this is Triloquy, the podcast taking you from Mozart to Megan the Stallion to macaroni. <laughs> In 90 minutes or less. Hopefully today, <laughs> uh, you know, mo- not too much about Mozart today actually. But uh, as we record this, Scott uh, is the day that um, his Jupiter uh, Symphony premiered, and I actually uh, enjoy uh, Mozart's Jupiter Symphony, uh, uh, Symphony Number no. Forty-One. If you want to go and listen to that, so quick shout out to Mozart. You know, so we are talking a, l- a little bit about so-called classical music today. Um, I always <laughs> thought his late
0: symphonies were better though. Yeah, and they're so know?
1: fun to play. That's really why I appreciate them a lot. But even mm. listening. Into them. But it's, he was, uh, really you cool. know,
0: when he was writing those last few symphonies, he was like mounting a comeback, you know, because he, his popularity was was lagging. Yeah, so he then, was trying to get his the career the back. And then
1: Illuminati went ahead and took him out. Yep. So mm-hmm. there, there you anyway. are. <laughs> uh, shout out to the first time listeners. <laughs> Thank you so much for trying out Triloquy. If this is your first, Scott, what do you have to say to the very first time listeners? This is their first Triloquy experience.
0: Belt in and just try to relax.
1: Yeah, because we're just going <laughs> with it. We're trying to break down barriers. We're making this stuff natural. Um, shout out to all the returning listeners, uh, everyone who's uh, gone over to Triloquy.org to make a donation. I really appreciate it. You know, uh, right now we're um, working on, um, you know, sort of like advertisement sort of things and, and social media promotion. So, you know, all of your, um, all of your contributions really help us uh, turn that into a reality. I really appreciate everyone who's been uh, contributing.
0: Let's just go ahead and give a shout out. Uh, you know, uh, to all the people
1: who have been with us all this time, start
0: telling people.
1: You know, word of mouth is the best. Yeah, freedom is what we're working on, man. So let's do it together. I feel like I'm on a pledge drive at work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dark shout out there to Joe Biden, who gave us the downbeat for this opus of Triloquy. Um, you know, despite what he says about uh, Afro-American communities, we actually have a very uh, diverse uh, exploration of, of, of black music and black conversation today. There is a, um, a composition Um, uh, co-performed by Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion that we'll touch on just uh, a a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, And and equally uh, sexy, maybe less um, raunchy um, song that I want to talk a little bit about uh, by Victoria Monet. I had you listen to that. Um, We're going to go over to the motherland, of course, uh, thanks to um, the Beyonce, Giselle Knowles Carter. And uh, also by way of William Grant Still, there's a a really cool piece music that uh, I can uh, bring in for that. Um, Taking a stand for this Opus of Triloquy is Portia Dunkley, uh, the owner of uh, Teeny Violini. Uh, She's going to talk about uh, her uh, music teaching initiative in this COVID world and back to school and that sort of thing, Um, and also about one of uh, her um, uh, initiatives uh, that she's doing in collaboration with the Knight Foundation. Um, And then as far as movement four, the Triloquy, um, lots to get into so you'll just have to hang on for that <laughs> um so yeah if that if that does it for our little announcements here scott how about we get into movement one checking our accidentals here so um i don't know what kind of accidental i mean uh, uh, a sharp you know just sharp reaction um you know sending out um awareness um uh, warm thoughts to everyone over there in beirut i mean that that footage is, is shocking to see. And, you know, how it's one thing for us to see it on the news and, and get a reaction and, you know, go on about our day. But, you know, that is their 24 seven reality. Just, you know, can you imagine we, we get grumpy about the electricity being out, you know, but their yeah. buildings are destroyed. I mean, and-
0: yeah. And their government was already like in a shaky situation anyway. And you've got all sorts of politicians that are stepping down uh, rightfully so amid all of those protests that are going yeah. on because they they've had it
1: yeah yeah and of course you know with us you know being on the air well, when all of this is happening and and, uh, and afterwards, I'm always thinking about how, you know, as, as classical music hosts, how um, on the radio, how we can, you know, sort of uh, react or, or, or be a part of it. So, you know, at the last minute, I'm, I'm going through our library, and unfortunately, I wasn't able to uh, find anything by um, a Lebanese composer. But um, there, there was some, you know, there was some music that I, I did find uh, performed by uh, Gao Hong and Isam Rafay um, that mm. was uh, really good, you know, uh, Isam. Plays the oud, the, this Middle Eastern oud. So uh, it was, it was good to just get that aesthetic into people's ears, so that you know their minds and their you know hearts were uh, were were there. <laughs> I did actually um, get to uh, discover a little bit of Lebanese music uh, thanks to uh, Mary Kayumjin. She's a uh, a composer who makes it through... uh, you know classical NPR's uh, playlists uh, pretty regularly you know r- really beautiful music a lot for solo piano uh, we um, sit on the uh, board uh, of the American composers forum so I, I was kind of bringing this up you know how classical music can be you know play a role in you know raising awareness for you know disasters like these and and she pointed me to some um, Lebanese uh, composers who um, I'll, I'll put on um, the uh, triloquy website if you just go under Uh, to extras. I'll uh, put everything up there. Now she is also a composer. She's of Armenian descent, but um, by way of Lebanon she explained to me. So uh, she actually wrote um, uh, a piece of music called Bombs of Beirut, and it was uh, commissioned uh, and and written back in 2014. There's a recording of it by the uh, Kronos Quartet. It's a really um, interesting piece of music. We'll listen to a little bit um, of it here, but uh, I'll I'll also link um, a a performance of this uh, in the description.
0: to hear that. It's Bombs of Beirut, you Bombs say? of Beirut, yeah. And this wow. is 2014, you know, yeah. so fast forward to 2020. You they know. say that that's when all that explosives, that was right around the time. They said that it's been there five or six years. Yeah. Yeah, and the longer that
1: kind of stuff sits, the more volatile it gets. Yeah, like it intensifies. Right, Ugh. and you know, just again, the the, the point that I want to make is that we, as uh, advocates of classical music, you know, we aren't going to go over there and and solve the problems. You know, w- w- whether you know it's the fallout uh, dealing with, um, you know, all of the people without homes and and injured, and you know, there's the political side of it. People um, asking for folks in leadership to step down. You know you know maybe maybe uh classical music so-called classical music can't directly you know uh, uh put those changes forward but you know there is a way for us to um address and and acknowledge the artists who are living through that you know maybe if not directly just you know through heritage and through you know whatever and that's that's what we can do. So I think it's important to do it if we can.
0: I think that the other thing that it offers is just keeping it in our minds because it's very easy to turn away from news that isn't in your backyard mm-hmm. or something that you're keeping tabs on. So if we just keep talking about it, then it's going to be front of mind for people, you know, even if they have turned to classical music as an escape,
1: like right. some folks right. like to do. Right. And speaking of, you know, uh, keep talking about things, um, Justice for Breonna Taylor, while I'm thinking about it, it mm. just pops into my mind. I'm trying to... Still no arrest name. on that, huh? Not that I've seen. Isn't it pitiful? Like in, in her own home, in her own home. Asleep. The, the world is just fucked right now, <laughs> excuse my French, but, um, you know, and, and of course, there are, you know, different sorts of disasters over here on, on our side of thing with COVID and everything. Um, you know, uh, another um, young woman's name, I want to say is Hannah Waters. Uh, she took that photo uh, in school, you know, down in, uh, uh Georgia, outside of Atlanta, uh, got suspended. And then I heard that they undid the suspension, but then the school had to shut down for a couple days because of, um uh, COVID running so rampant. I, this, this is just, you've heard the numbers, right? In the last, the last two weeks of July,
0: 97,000, nine seven thousand elementary school age children got the virus.
1: And as we kind of touched on maybe last week or the week before, it's one thing to get it and recover. But there is long-term damage, and maybe long-term damage for these kids. Look, and it, you it don't know. It seems like every other little kid has, has asthma anyway, you know. <laughs> so if, if you add other uh, respiratory issues to that, you know, it's and, and, and we're only— um, how, how 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 are we preventing that by sending all these kids into these buildings and you know that's of course turned into a political thing you know sending kids to school versus not but look i don't i don't have any kids but i just want the kids to be safe and it doesn't seem like that's it
0: no so but it's going to have to be a hybrid system it's not going to work everywhere i mean uh teaching at a distance isn't going to work everywhere and it's that's not a one size fits all situation but then the poor
1: kids who need school you know who need that meal that's where they get the meal that's where they get their internet hook up hmm. you know what about yeah. the what about kids that don't have technology at home yeah i mean and and, and i guess i will shout out st paul city schools or i don't know there, there are a bunch of kids who uh live next door and every week there's a school bus that comes by with low it's loads of food and you know gallons of milk and all okay. this stuff and, okay you know so i mean but that's here locally i can't speak to what's happening down in georgia or these other parts of the country where COVID is exploding look COVID is not gone Mm-mm. COVID is here it's chilling having a party outside just tr- twerking COVID <laughs> is just twerking everywhere <laughs> it's not funny you know but it's I'm but just imagining just a twerking virus <laughs> that sounds like a band the twerking virus <laughs> or like a symphony or called something? it the twerking virus we called it yep. <laughs> okay so now we're getting into symphonies you know back to school back to work for some of these orchestras right
0: yeah you had that you found that article about the Philadelphia Orchestra having their first in person recite was it this week
1: yeah the, uh, I'm well, sorry just this this past week yeah this past week yeah um apparently it was a rehearsal slash um performance you know quote unquote performance that you know was recorded that'll be simulcast later or um mm-hmm. I'm I'm just bothered. Okay, I'm, I'm really bothered.
0: So surface level question: If it's if it is something that's going to be streamed later, do they still have to wear the dress black on stage?
1: Do They have to wear their good clothes, Probably. or can they wear play clothes? Probably, or maybe they'll just wear all black or. But I mean, but wouldn't it be cool to just see an orchestra just uh, just if, if we have to have masks on anyway and, you know, socially distance, if, if, if the experience is changing from that level, why not just wear what you want? Remember the end of um, uh, Sister Act Two, you know, <laughs> that, did, did that not make the performance so much more?
0: Well, Bobby McFerrin, when he when I saw him conduct uh, the Omaha Symphony, mm-hmm. he told people to kick their shoes off and take off their jackets and get ready.
1: I I wonder if people took off their shoes.
0: uh, Everybody in the orchestra did. I watched it happen.
1: Oh, he asked the people on stage. Right.
0: He, uh, he, He put the scherzo to Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. He had the librarian tuck that in there. Because he was about to conduct one thing and then turned around to the audience and said, have you ever thought about what it would be to go to a concert? And they just started playing something that wasn't planned. (laughs) And everybody's like, oh, what has he got?
1: And maybe that might be something cool to see virtually, you know, as far as as trying to get eyes on Mm. orchestra screens, you know, just see... You know, uh, musicians socially physically distance as best they can together, just reading something. But but you can't be the one with a hole in your sock, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, they played the snot out of that. scherzo, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was great. <laughs>
1: Okay, so we kind of followed the rabbit off the trail there, so uh, orchestra's back to work. There was another orchestra that went uh, back to work. I'm forgetting right now. I don't have the article right in front of me. But I guess the bigger point is a lot of these ensembles are really trying to see what they can do moving forward. And uh, we were talking about this earlier Uh MLB, you know, baseball mm-hmm. tried it out and is now having to pull back and we don't know how that's going to impact other sports. And they're talking about that for collegiate, you know, uh, sports and all that. I, I feel like maybe we're at the beginning of that for orchestras. A lot of these ensembles are trying it um, and, and might just see that there's no way to actually safely do it, especially as every day we're learning more about the coronavirus or learning that we know less how can I say that you know learning that there is more that we don't don't know a lot about it right we're we're learning what we don't
0: know yeah and that other article that you sent along for me to take a look at um, I was shocked to find out the flute right well you know what it was a duel reaction
1: yeah so 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 that second article was basically about uh, what instruments um, spread those aerosols you know those droplets more so mm-hmm. you know obviously if a string player is wearing a mask you know there's nothing really floating around but for the wind instruments is different and it's actually interesting you know just as a uh, as a side note I've been uh, working with orchestras and talking with orchestras that um, like the Philadelphia Orchestra are uh, moving forward the best they can um, without wind instruments. I think for the Philadelphia Orchestra rehearsal and virtual performance there was one uh, wind player but um, you know they're doing strings only things so you know now we have to talk about the you know marginalization of wind players or what mm-hmm. you know all, all of the stuff that it's creating but anyway sure. um uh, when I first read that, though, I thought, really? The which, flute? Which, yeah, which instrument spread spread the most? So it's the flute. That, I
0: would, yeah, I would have assumed maybe the tuba or the trumpet or something like that. But there's all, all that the tubing for it to right.
1: go through, and the flute, you're just blowing it right out. And I'm
0: a plumber's son, so all of a sudden I start looking at that, and then I remembered in band, you know, they got the, the spit valves, you know, so all that's collecting on the inside. So seeing as how the flute is, how long? What? Two and a half feet,
1: maybe? Something like that, yeah.
0: Okay, so that's the shortest amount of plumbing. That you have for the aerosol to get out, so I guess it makes sense.
1: And but it's not even going out the end of the flute, right? It's going it's guy, right, is it, going right out of your mouth. If you think about how you play the flute, okay.
0: Know? So there's no like exhaust that comes from the end or I anything.
1: Mean, I mean, it may be if you're covering all of the tone holes, but you have to you know keep in mind that you're blowing right across this thing, so it's going from your mouth out in and in, into the so air. The most of the conductor
0: is the one that's in the line of fire,
1: or the, or the person sitting in front of you. You know, the flutes sit behind like the second violins and violas you know oh man the violas <laughs> so always get the short in. end don't they <laughs> Breathing right in their face. And then, of course, you know, the flute plays a very important role in that Mendelssohn so, you know, so you couldn't have that without the flute. So now we're talking about what um, repertoire looks like, you know, in this COVID era is, is, uh, you know, in a 100 years from now, when the musicologists are looking back, they look at the COVID era, you know, they have to, you know, the years 2020, it'll just be a matter of fact. (laughs) Well, you know, there was a virus back then, so most of the music was written for strings only, you know, they didn't blah, blah, blah. You know, won't that, won't that... Proved to be an interesting sound in the, uh, yeah. Think about the history that's yeah that's going yeah. To in be this written. spot in history, yeah. But it but anyway. Um, so if you play a wind instrument, play it at home or <laughs> play it play it outside. You know, not close to anybody. I don't know. You know, I've
0: been trying to play more um, and and not spend so much time like mindlessly scrolling scrolling on social media or yeah. something like that. So I've been trying to learn the Ableton software more and also playing more guitar. I'm starting to get a little arthritis in my right hand, and that's bothering me. Mm. Um, I'm, not, I'm not able to play
1: finger style. But don't pull a Franz Liszt and try to do something. And no, lose Schumann your hand. was the one that oh, did that. was that. Schumann. Yeah,
0: he uh, wore a chiroplast, mm. which is a, a torture device to strengthen. I, I think it might have been something to help his span.
1: And yep, it ended up just messing up his whole and he ended thing. Up messing up see? his hand, you see. Um, you know something I've been leaning. On, you know, speaking of uh, at home practice and and whatever, um, playing something that you like or that you want to play, you know, and or or something that you feel engaged with, you know, it just you know you can you can do more with it. I sat in in front of my keyboard earlier today uh, and just put down you know a, a little bit of this um, this song I'm actually going to talk about uh, in the second movement today. Uh, that I, uh, that I sent you. So yeah, shout out to you know all the folks playing at home. Um, I'll post both of those articles um, in, in the uh, description uh, of this opus, the Philadelphia Orchestra and you know the flute is an evil instrument. <laughs> <laughs> it's out
0: to get you. Yeah. Um, my only accidental actually speaks to that idea of playing music at home. and I found an article on NPR.org about uh, John Masco, who's a symphony conductor in Boston he founded the National Virtual Medical Orchestra and the idea behind this is you know the uh, all the medical professionals who used to play together are now missing that not only are they probably pulling 12 14 hour days right tired, and they're, ex- and they're yeah. exhausted by the time you- and you know what it's like after you get home from a hard day the last thing you want to do is you know, you want to be entertained. You don't want to do anything to entertain, sure, right? Sure, sure. So um, they put together this national virtual medical orchestra, and it, according to everybody who's uh, cited in the um, in the piece, says that it's been a, a lifesaver for them to be able to play online together.
1: Yeah, I mean, but the what about the technology of that?
0: Yeah, they, they, it goes into that. That's something that. A lot of composers and musicians are having to deal with because if you've ever sang "Happy Birthday" on a Zoom meeting, you know that it doesn't <laughs> quite Happy line up. Happy Birthday
1: in real life is worse. Is well, horrible enough. <laughs> I use that as an example,
0: <laughs> and just everything doesn't line up. So that you know, check out the article in the description, and you know, maybe you're looking for a way to improve your virtual ensemble recording or playing, and um, they've uh, got a nice little video of. Uh, it looks like a nonet. There's there's nine players. Are, are uh,
1: they performing a nonet? Are they?
0: Um, no, it's not a nonet. It's just there's so many of them playing, and there was only so many oh, Zoom sure, screens sure, that could sure. be seen at
1: one point. So. Scott, twenty twenty. I, I am listen. I'm exhausted by twenty twenty. I mean, whoever would have thought you know, the technique of, you know, getting your virtual performance chops together and learning how to mix. And, I mean, thank goodness for the technology. You know, we'd probably really lose our minds. But, you know, shout out to the doctors playing virtually. Um, I, I, th- I think it's, you know, I, I think it's great. Um, I think it's, you know, it, it's it's wearing down. It's wearing down on me. And, and you know, I have the privilege of not, uh, you know, professionally you know doing that anymore so you know the stress of you know well, come three months four months where is my paycheck going to come from or Mm -hmm. you know these orchestras who um, still uh, haven't passed down any information you know I I was talking to somebody um, uh, that plays in an orchestra out west saying that their orchestra has still not said anything they're just kind of in the dark right now so Mm -hmm. you know it that, that, thank goodness for, you know, uh, ensemb- virtual ensembles and, and ones like these and a special shout out to all the medical workers, you know, who are still finding time to, you know, do this. So, yeah, uh, how, how about we listen to uh, a little bit, a bit of this performance as we uh, move into uh, the second movement to uh, see what struck a chord this week. time for us <laughs> time for us to um, talk about what struck a chord uh, what struck a chord with me Scott was um, what struck a chord with all of uh, of pop culture America and quite honestly I am nervous about sharing any of the audio even though the explicit uh, symbol is on this opus because it's so 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 raunchy
0: let's say more because uh, if it's the one that I'm thinking about I still haven't heard it
1: Okay, well, um, Cardi B teamed up with Megan Thee Stallion. Yep, still for, haven't heard it. For a song called um, uh, WAP, Wet Ass. <laughs> and you're going to put a, a nice meow there in post, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so actually, Scott, so what actually tickled me from the very beginning, so uh, I think that it, it came out this past Friday, so... Um, when I came into the studio uh, to go to work, you asked me why people are tweeting uh, pictures of macaroni. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, yep. So, um, if if you wanted, uh, if you don't, if you can't grab that reference just from that, just go and check out the lyrics, listen to the song. I wanted to get um, just. I was saying, just not having heard it, I was saying wap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm. I'm. But, but it sounds like they're saying "wap" on on the song, and also using it as an onomatopoetic mm. uh sort of. Because uh, you know, device. you know what you know what "wap" can mean, right? I. I you taught me today, so you know cultural competency. So mm-hmm. you know, I'm not 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 trying to offend anyone. Um, from. From that community, but you know, uh, basically what I wanted um, to uh, cover here just quickly uh, with this song, I want to, uh, uh, Scott, I'm going to read a, a few of these opening lyrics uh, um, as recited by Cardi B and sort of uh, get your reaction. So, Let's get some nice harp music going here to back <laughs> it up, something delicate. Beat it up, catch a charge, extra large and extra hard. Put this right in your face. Swipe your nose like a credit card, let's just swipe there, Let, let's swipe there, <laughs> Freudian slip, <laughs> let's stop there, okay, so we have, you know, catch a charge, so that is a play on, you know, um, fighting and, you know, um, beating things up, and of, of course, Cardi is talking about um, something different here, um, extra large and extra hard, okay, so w- when you're talking about putting it in your face and swiping your nose like a credit card, we're back to that charge, you know, Catch a charge, credit card charge. I see you know? what you did so there. All, I see what all, she did there. All, all, all sorts of um, interesting uh, double entendres in here. Of course, Megan the Stallion is um, incredible. Uh, I'll, I'll go down to some of her um, lyrics here. Um, Your Honor, I'm a freak Be handcuffs, leashes, swish my wig, make him feel like he cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Put him on his knees, give him something to believe in never lost a fight, but I'm looking for a beating. (laughs) Mm. Listen, I love rap, and um, I'm I'm not going to share any of, well, I'm not going to share the audio here, but uh, go go check out uh, WAP, Wet Ass, (coughs) and again, I hope we catch all of those P words with those meow sounds because I don't want that getting out.
0: (laughs) Uh, All I have to say is this is nothing new. If you want to go back to some of the original poets of love songs.
1: (laughs) Go back to two live crew. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal that, you know, no one remember uh, two live crew. Shout out to them. So (laughs) so one really sexy song that's a little less um, explicit, explicit, you know, um, (laughs) that uh, I did share with you. And you did uh, tell me that uh, you took a listen to uh, is a tune called uh, Go There With You by Victoria Monet. So you took a listen to this song. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell me your um, and and, and the reason I'm sharing this, the reason it struck a chord. um, Just I'll quickly say that when I've gotten off work. Early in the mornings, um, so, you know, 6 a.m., I've decided to just take a nice hour-long walk to kind of clear my mind and I'll just go through some music, maybe spend that time listening to some podcasts. Mm -hmm. So I was listening to the Joe Button podcast and he shouted out this artist and I decided to check her out and and I really um, felt um, engaged by the music. It felt just nice and and um, cool in the warmest sort of way, and sexy, as as, as I said, and um, some nice guitar in it, you know, a yeah. touch of rock. T- talk to me about what you liked to, about this song.
0: It reminds me of uh, the R&B and some of the pop that I was listening to in the late 80s and yeah. early 90s, back to Brandy.
1: Yeah, we were kind of talking about that last week. You know,
0: that, that sort of era. You know, it's sweet. It's it's loving. It's like, you know, you're, you're getting ready for date night or something. Yeah.
1: You know, and just the lyrics—a better, uh, a better way to be up in your face, a better way to scream your name. You know, so <laughs> but, we're so we're touching on the arguments, but we're also trying to make it like you know. Let's, oh let's, man, that's some of the let, best makeup sex
0: is some of the best, don't you think? Oh,
1: okay, all right, all right. So. For, uh, manscaping two weeks in a row, and now you want to go into that? Going right. into makeup
0: sets. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, definitely go uh, check out uh, Victoria. Mon- you know, you 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 enjoy more just from the that set, song. The, the track that album. came
0: on after it. The track that came on after it reminded me of being in a hotel, hotel room on Las Olas Boulevard in Fort Lauderdale when I was. Uh, we had stations down there, and I was going down to conduct a bunch of interviews, and you know, the the whole street is alive with music and, and food and drink and, and all of that is just sort of wafting up to my window as I'm trying, you know, and I'm on a, I'm on a night schedule, so I have to take some, you know, um, like a generic valium okay. to knock me oh, you're out. You getting high? Yeah. So something helped me sleep, and I've got this music, and you know, and I'm starting to do the dance moves that I know I shouldn't mm-hmm. be doing. Yeah. You know, because I don't, <laughs> uh, I don't do them right. But I was, fe- you know, feeling it in the moment, and that just reminded me of being on Las Olas Boulevard. The track that
1: came after it. The um, the name of the album is Jaguar. So go check out uh, Jaguar by Victoria Monet. I, I love that. Uh, Loves song, Sexy, uh, go there with you. But, you know, you've made me excited about this sort of uh, song that you say is reminding you of some of your mm-hmm. hotter days down yeah. in uh, Florida. How about we listen to a little bit of that here?
2: from hands on the wheel to hands on my thigh, hands on my body and the back of the portion. I'm in love with your fingertips. I remember
1: this place is you kiss, girl, it's been I think my favorite uh, Beyoncé track on The Gift, which, you know, she recently uh, put out um, into a visual that uh, last week I said I was going to talk a little bit about this week. But before we uh, get into, you know, that Beyoncé and her bringing us to Africa and us getting that firsthand look, um, that concept um, got me to revisit a piece of music uh, by William Grant Still, if we may return to the concert hall here for a second, so... Um, you know, he recognized. So back in his day, this is the 30s, uh, 40s. He realized that, um, you know, black folks here in America didn't have a picture um, you know, literal or otherwise, of Africa, Mm -hmm. of what the Mm -hmm. motherland looked like, what it was like there. So um, he wrote this uh, piece of music, uh, this tone poem called Africa, uh, that I listen to all the time. And and, and it's one of those overlooked, you know, his Afro-American symphony um, is important, but he he has so much more. And this symphonic poem called Africa is one that I I listen to all the time. It has all these really sexy uh, bassoon lines in it. You know, even the... um, even the opening here you know it starts with the drums and then as the flute comes in i just see this you know scott i see this big yellow setting sun behind a red sky you know Mm -hmm. and um you know it, it just it's another one of those examples of uh those pieces of classical music that the orchestras you know don't play for for the sake of mahler and brahms and beethoven you know that we don't learn about in music school but just really speak to what blackness is in a way um, that, you know, directly relates to, you know, what folks like you and I do for a living. actually the opening of the second movement um, is my alarm. So when my alarm goes mm. off it, You know, nine fifteen, nine thirty p.m. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm getting this beautiful bassoon line. Shout out to um, uh, uh, the Fort Smith Symphony down in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Uh, John Jeter, I think, is their uh, music director. Yeah, uh, great stuff. So uh, go check out um, "Africa" uh, by William Grant Still. There is a piano version of the entire tone poem. Um, I think the orchestral version really uh, brings it more to life. So uh, be sure to um, look that up. But I I, I did mention, um, you know, Beyonce taking us to Africa, you know this this song, uh, water, and and you said you listened to the uh, en- entire album uh, at this point, the the, the gift uh, album, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know the the song Water just yeah. gives me that you know fast really uh, fun Afro beat that I feel like we don't really hear on radio here on uh, on on this side uh, of the pond and mm-hmm. you know getting Beyonce with that you know uh, obviously one of my favorite composers you know um, is, is is really incredible so like the William Grant Still I feel like Beyonce is giving us that look into modern you know uh, uh, West Africa and South Africa and uh, and and seeing what their stylized pop culture is like and i I don't know it it really meant a lot to me to get to experience that on the visual level and i know you haven't um watched all of the the visual blackest king but you did listen to the gift i wonder what you thought about some of that music
0: i'll be honest and say that listening through it the first time I did not have the same strong reaction that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, I I agree with you. She's a great composer and she's a great performer, but she's not who I gravitate to. That's, yeah. She's not who I seek out. Yeah. And and so I listened through, and I, and I like uh, "Don't Jealous Me" was one, and then the the uh, the one after it, which I had to ask you how it was pronounced.
1: Oh yeah, and I don't want to uh, disrespect none of the uh, <laughs> West African folks, but, but you know me. a lot of that, and 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 you know that's the other thing. Um, the layers of, of of reference and, you know, uh, culture that, yeah. you know, are, are just there to be explored and, and, and to learn and to be expounded upon. Well,
0: that's where things started to change because uh, I listened going around the lake and I went, you know, it's
1: okay. Yeah. It's good.
0: And then I came over here and you started to talk about Seeing some of these landscapes, um, the the feelings that it stirred in you, and the fact that you have no connection mm-hmm. to your lineage where you where you originally come from, and I asked you if you thought did she go and find all these locations, or is it the, is it the staff? Uh, she learned the dances from the people. Yeah, I mean,
1: this is Beyonce. Yes,
0: so. That to me is showing that she's she's going about this all in the right way, and and really shining a light on the talent of yeah. some African performers, but to hear you talk about how you had, uh, you have difficulty being able to connect to that, and well, not
1: difficulty connecting to it like artistically and musically, but um, difficulty. Um, um, understanding the reasons for the disconnection, mm-hmm. as far as you know, fam- the familial sort sure. of disconnection, and
0: and so thinking about that and that kind of reverberate, that kind of bounced around in my head for a little bit, and then you showed me, brown skin girl, and I found myself kind of getting a little bit emotional about it. All the, all the things that we've talked about leading up to this
1: moment right here was sort of, I I got. Emotional. Yeah. And I'll probably get into this in Movement 4 in the Triloquy, but it's so frustrating to deal with some of the things um, that we're dealing with, you know, um, whether that's, you know, the contemporary way we're talking about race and racism and anti-racism or whether it's on the, you know, institutional levels when we're talking about the, the nationwide problems, mm. you know, seeing such beauty in um, uh, over there, you know that that Beyonce showed us, you know, of the African people, the African languages, the 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 fashion, the the, the music, you know, all of that. You know, seeing that and seeing it uh, portrayed in sort of a free way, you know, just makes you think about what was actually taken from, you know, my my ancestors and ultimately taken from me. You know, the experience to, you know, be among. You know, my own in that way, and not be under um, the the thumb of of, of 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 Western normalizations in that way. Now, of course, the the West has made its way into Africa. If you watch all the way through um, um, uh, Black as King, you know, there's there's this scene where some of their clergymen are wearing those powdered wigs, you know, and that's that's something that many of those places still do. And mm. you know, for th- th- there are a lot of issues. You know, over in the motherland, as there are um, issues everywhere, but, you know, um, between, you know, pieces of music from from back when, you know, like William Grant Still's Africa to Blackest King, you know, to the depictions of Africa in the Color Purple film, if you remember that. Of course. Um, even coming to America, you know, even if just in jest, you know, the, the beauty and the royalty there, you know, that's just something that we don't see all no, that you often. See,
0: you see the bad news. You see right. the explosion. And the people getting shot and the poverty and all that sort of thing. Ne- never mind that there are plenty of people who are, you know, just going to lunch. Right. Right. <laughs> or having a, a weekend with their family, just like we do here.
1: And plenty but, of that bombing and 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 poverty here, right now. You and, know? <laughs> and if we
0: if we were to look at what is happening in the United States and, and if it was happening in a in a shithole country
1: as so-called,
0: so-called. Uh, we would go. Oh God, it's it's terrible that they have a government that just does that. This is such a terrible situation.
1: And our and our government is fucking us. And this is not a political podcast, but you know, this is this is why music this is why art is so important because it inspires these conversations and it and and it helps you you know folks like you get a perspective that uh, you may not have you know as we were watching you know the bits of blackest king that we were watching earlier today specifically the brown skin girl portion um we were talking about you know the the um the beauty and i even hate to say unconventional beauty because what does that mean you know just the you know what what i see as the objective beauty of Mm -hmm. you know these dark-skinned women and you know as a gay man i'm not speaking you know from anything but you know, just, you know, non-sexual, you know, admiration of just what I see as beautiful, a beautiful spirits, person? you know, beautiful people mm-hmm. and, you know, how, you know, people who, you know, have darker skin have not always been celebrated and how Beyonce is using, you know, her resources and, and her platform to, you know, write a whole song affirming all of those young girls and all those women. I, I get emotional when I listen to it myself.
0: Say more about how the project was received in Africa.
1: Um, So um, all I've seen is a reaction on on Twitter from, you know, from folks over on the African continent. And it's just, you know, gratitude to um, to see, you know, their culture and the music they love and the aesthetics they love on a global scale. And then, you know, for an artist like Beyonce to do that, an Mm -hmm. artist that, you know, we, we all pay attention to. Um, I think it's, you know, I think it's phenomenal. So, you know, uh, we're going to, uh, we're about to uh, transition here into our conversation with uh, uh, Portia Dunkley, you know, uh, a beautiful brown-skinned woman herself. Um, and, and, and and we kind of began our uh, conversation uh, talking about that, but um, aside from the, you um, you know, the physical, you know, the pro-black affirmations in the song. I think the lyrics are just really beautiful. You know, what what, is, what does it say? I think I might fall in love. It just depends on how you hold me, you know. It's a great line. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'd love to write a lyric like that.
2: Down. Can't let no one come control me Keep dancing and call it love She's fighting but falling slowly If ever you are in doubt Remember what mama told me, brown It's extremely important. I definitely um I appreciate uh, what Beyonce has been doing in her career in the la- in the latter part of her career. Um, you know, affirming brown skin girls. It's so important that we can see ourselves, you know, identify ourselves in um, you know, in in uh, in pop music or in classical music or wherever. And I, I love that. And I love that I'm a, a brown skinned um, brown skin girl bass player. And that, you know, when I taught this summer, I had other brown skin uh, bass player students, mm-hmm. girls. And then I I could see that, you know, they were up, you know, their attention was a little bit, you know, just kind of, they're a little more attentive in class, or they had, they listened a little more atten- attentively to what I said, because I looked like them, they could identify with me. And that's, that's very important. I didn't have that um a lot when I was growing up. And it's, interesting that this song brown skin girl you know it's just like an anthem right now but when i was in college um the song um from aria uh india ari's uh acoustic soul album
1: yeah brown Brown skin Skin, yeah love that song yeah
2: that really that song really kind of shaped how i started to see myself in college you know i started wearing my hair natural i started Mm -hmm. you know just taking greater appreciation and a love for who i am so i think it's very important that um you know, black women, you know, black men, everybody, you know, we just start, you know, affirming, you know, this this uh, identity, the beauty of in, brown, in brown skin girls and women. So, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. All for it. Oh, my goodness. You know, so we first met um, at uh, Sphinx this past February in the. Yeah, in, we did. In the before for a time, as we've been saying, you know, before <laughs> coronavirus took over the world. <laughs> um, so um, for um, and, and and, you know, uh, we specifically met at uh, Sphinx Tank 2020. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, would you mind uh, sort of uh, taking folks through what Sphinx Tank is and what project <laughs> you presented at Sphinx Tank 2020?
2: Right. So Sphinx Tank is um, okay. So it's an initiative by the uh, Sphinx Organization, right? That happens during the Sphinx Connect. This is the this was the second um, the second year, and it's basically kind of like their rendition of Shark Tank, which right. I'm sure a lot of your um, your listeners are familiar with, and it's a way to identify the next, um, the next uh, cultural um, innovator, entrepreneur. Right? Um, and so that was that that that's what that competition. It was a competition. That's what that competition was. And um, so my experience <laughs> was really interesting because um, my uh, my project was uh, based on my business, basically. I uh, teeny violini. And I presented um, a method that I had been uh, developing for the past 12 years called the colorful violin. And so that's what I did my my project on. Um, what was the rest of your question? I'm sorry.
1: Oh, no, yeah, you you, you got it there, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know, you didn't, um, you, you didn't uh, win uh, No, campaign, I did not, uh, 2020, But I'm sure there was some like residual benefit from just being on that stage. Can you speak
2: to oh, that? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think for me, um, the practice of getting up there in front of this large audience of i don't know hundreds of people um and being able to pitch a project was a, an invaluable experience for me but then also um connecting with so many other educators and you know and other black musicians and artists who were like yes i see what you're doing yes this makes sense what card that that experience also led to a very i think it's going to be a very uh, um uh, very meaningful um, collaborative. Um, I met, um, and you may know, uh, Mariana Greenhill. Oh, sure, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah she's great, great, fantastic person. And so we, uh, <laughs> she like kind of <laughs> snatched me afterwards and was like, <laughs> we have to talk. <laughs> and so we, um, you know, we've been working on um, collaborating um, together. So look out for that. Uh, I was able to work with her during the summer with her Four Strings Academy camp, a uh, virtual camp, which was actually, you know, it was something a little different for me, um, because I never, uh, it's for diff. it was difficult, um, different for all of us because, um, you know, we had to pivot to a, um, a virtual, uh, teaching platform. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that was one opportunity that, um, that kind of came out of that, which is great. And so that took me out of my Florida comfort zone. And so now it's just like, okay, putting you know, linking me to a whole nother, like to Northern us area. Yeah. And then also, um, one of the judges, um, Jay Simmons had said something to me during that time that I hadn't really kind of connected, mm-hmm. um, before. And she had really kind of prompted me to think about my, my, my business, um, and what I was doing, um, in, in reaching and changing my, my target, um, uh, to, to, um, to the medical field basically. And so, mm-hmm. which was actually interesting, um, because it could use, it could be used in so many different ways for, uh um, for music therapy and the way that I have built the curriculum, it's for easy composition, easy learning, um, easy playing. Uh, so in and it kind of tied back to a, a heart mission of mine um, to be able to go to use my music to, um, to as healing. So, yeah, you know, yeah. that was that was some enlightenment that happened during that
1: time. And, you know, and and that's what was so attractive about the project, uh, from my perspective, you know, just Mm -hmm. how relevant and how engaging it was and how real it was. It didn't, it didn't feel like a bunch of kids just sitting around doing this thing that the mom (laughs) told them they have to do, but, you know, it was actually an engaging experience, you know, and then you also, you know, mentioned how COVID has forced things onto the virtual platform. You know, I'm wondering, you know, in this world of COVID, of course, in this world of, uh, continued conversation about racial injustice, racial equity, you know, how is something like learning to play, the violin, um, relevant to a little black girl or a black boy? How, how do you, how do you make that experience something that really matters to them and their parents?
2: Well, you know, for parents it's, it's, you know, it's this, um, um, how do I say this? Um, it's the, the the novelty of it or the prestige of um, Um, of being able to to make this instrument accessible to their kid, right? You know, every every parent wants the best for their kid, so it's easy. It's an easy convince. Um, it's an easy sell for the parents, you know, the kids, all they want to do is just take some strings, just start, pluck, 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 <laughs> you know, they, <laughs> it's, it, that's it. You know, they just want to just kind of strum away. But then when you kind of, when you, when you break it down into the simplest form, for me, I use shapes and colors, um, and you, you teach them, okay, you know, about the the notes and where they go and how they relate to the string and how they can play their first song and whatever that is i think it becomes an extension of their creative voice right and so you've now given them a tool to which they could you know like actually in some sort of way start to craft their own music you know it's just it's 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 as simple as if you give a kid a keyboard and then you just start you know get allowing them to just start um uh pressing keys and then they look mommy look a b c d you know i mean (laughs) they're just singing whatever and they're making their own music and so it's the same idea you know with little kids and my 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 target population or and i hate using that term target population (laughs) but um you know my kids are uh, preschool you know they're like two and three and four years old and so um you know i i want I wanna simplify it as much as I can for them. I want them to be excited and to say, Oh, look, I can play. And then, you know, whatever two or three note melodies they string together, you know, I want them to be proud of that. And then that grows and that continue to grow. So so I think, you know, for me, that's the relevance of it, you know, giving this kid these kids an opportunity to to um uh to learn something that can be an extension of their creative voice.
1: Yeah. So not teaching them the what so much, but teaching them the how so that. They yeah, the how. Lines. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Right. And I mean, we can figure out the what and, uh, you know, the why later, you know, just how, just do. Go. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, some of us, even in the professional field, still haven't figured out the what, you know, so. <laughs> but, but, I, but I play bassoon, so. <laughs> you know, I was I
0: was there when Sphinx Tank, Sphinx Tank was going on. I was there in the audience and I was sitting next to Lakoli in Washington. At the time, and mm-hmm. you came out, and you had everybody there making music in 90 seconds or less. Mm-hmm. And Lakolian looked over at me and went, "Uh oh," because I <laughs> what I what I didn't know at the <clears throat> excuse me what I didn't know at the time is he was working with another one of the people participating, the um, twin sisters from South America. So, mm-hmm. he, so he was like, "Okay, we got <laughs> we've got <the> competition <laughs> here." So I was curious if you could. Uh, does does the whole program move that quickly? Because I was really interested to think uh, to wonder what the, the, the following steps were, because this is great. You know, I thought this is great. You get them going and, and thinking that music is something that they can do right away. Um, do you have any entrepreneurial uh, objectives like to to go past that step? What are the what are the next steps look like in your method?
2: Yeah. So, um, rhythm is always the foundation. I think if we can start there and get kids, you know, just kind of thinking about rhythm and, um, building on, um, just get them to just kind of see it, you know, they're already kind of moving and shaking and they have their their own, you know, uh, rhythmic vibe. Right. So you just try to kind of make it, uh, presented in a way that for you is, for me, it's 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 a I, like the most basic form, most basic tangible form of theory, right? And mm-hmm. so, like once I get them understanding and connecting, because there's also a literacy component to this as well, you know. So once I get them making that um, visual connection and also making that internal connection, then we can kind of start to branch off from there and then, uh, can start to expand from there. So the after I get them thinking about music in that way and reading and, um, and clapping and understanding, then we go to, we go to actual application on an instrument. So Mm. we apply that initially to rhythm instruments, clapping. We do a lot of body percussion Mm. and all that other stuff. And then, you know, there's a lot of demonstrating for me with the, with my bass. I bring my bass out. I bring the violin out and I play a lot for them and we do a lot of demonstrating and I'm pointing and, um, making these connections for them. And then I put the instrument in their hand. And so there's this, you know, I'm, I'm stay I give, giving them docs, dots, and then in the process connecting them. And so they're learning how to play. So the way that I've taught the way that I've taught them, or I presented, um, um, the music to them is through colors, right? Mm-hmm. So each string is like, it's, it's a color that they identify with. And so now, now we're playing, and then there's all this other stuff. We learn how to hold the bow. We learn how to be in community together. We learn how to rely on each other. So there's all of these other steps that go towards, okay, teaching them how to be a, a good musician, how to be a good community member, right? But also how to be a good individual. Uh, and then they're playing, you know, at the end, I have, like I remember my first the first time I completed a a teeny violini colorful violin like round from, from from um from fall to spring with like a group of four year olds. You know, we were doing and it was for me it was a huge accomplishment. Um we did like the they played like the accompaniment to twinkle twinkle, right? Mm-hmm. So they were reading this music. These little kids, I saw them maybe sometimes twice a week for thirty minutes. So we had about an hour. Um and you know that was that's the first phase of it you know and obviously you know as as they continue then we just continue to layer um layer more lessons Mm.
1: yeah um, yeah the the the, you know the artistic side of it and the and the feeling of really enriching these kids lives is something that i think you know all musicians really um appreciate and yearn to do in their own way Um, yeah I feel like a barrier there is um, the, the the sort of daunting task of moving over into the entrepreneurial world, and you know, yeah. doing the nuts and bolts side of creating curriculums and, and what you're trying to do. I wonder if you can um, speak to um, that transition uh, in your career. What kind of pushed you over into you know uh, the entrepreneurial side of being a musician?
2: Um, you know, I'm you know, you know how you've gotten the the rep for being like an agitator sure Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um so i i can be a bit of an agitator as well or i at least that's the impression i feel like um um that sometimes people get from me and so it's always been you know i've needed that freedom i've needed the flexibility i've always you know had ideas and wanted to try things a little bit different and wasn't always given the opportunity to do that or was met with a lot of pushback or, you know, just like, well, this is not how we're doing it now or blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, that gets aggravating after a while. And if you're a person that's just like, man, you know, forget this, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I could just do this myself. uh, Or, you know, if you're not afraid to do that, then you just at some point, you just kind of make it happen, you know, for yourself. And so I think for me, that was the push that I needed, I've always been, you know, like entrepreneurial minded, I believe, um, even from like when I was a little kid, you know, like uh, in Miami, we have this thing where we put like salt and vinegar on everything. Right. Okay. This was like back <laughs> in the 90s. <laughs> so, so we like on mangoes and everything, oh, you wow, know, okay. and so, you know, coming to school, um, I would have my little because we had a mango tree in a yard in like an abandoned lot not too far from where I um, where I lived in a neighborhood I grew up in. And then we would swing sticks at the tree and collect mangoes and cut them up, and then put a little bit of uh, salt, vinegar, and um, black pepper in it. And I would take it to school as like a snack. And you know, kids <laughs> would be like, "Oh, can I have some?" And I'm like, "Oh, um, sure." They go, "Can you make me some?" I was like, "You have to pay for this," you know. So hustling, that was like <laughs> hustling from a young age. <laughs> Hustling—that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, back then it was just kind of like, okay, I'm okay, I can make money for myself. So and uh, so when I became an adult, you know. Um, after having worked, like a, like so many of us, like a bunch of odd jobs or whatever. And I was a, I was a good employee. I was a great employee. Don't get me wrong. But um, I just wanted something more for myself. I wanted to call my own shots. Um, but the flip side of that is when you call your own shots, you got to make sure you got to do the administrative stuff too. So you yeah. got to do the paperwork, you know, do the lesson plans. Like you said, you have to write the curriculum, Make sure people get paid on time because, Ooh, yeah, you know, man. you want it. <laughs> <laughs> And you make sure people pay you on time, too. So that's that other More part. More importantly.
1: Right? <laughs> you know, it's it's so funny, you know, because, Scott, we uh, we often talk about how, you know, you come from the generation where it's very much, you know, get a job and have these benefits. And, you know, and, and as I speak to all the time, you know, it's, it's you know, that yearning for freedom. You know, some of us, you know, some folks like Portia have the courage to actually do the jump. But here I am still clocking in. So basically, in. Great. basically what you're saying is you,
0: you two... The <laughs> unhooked yourself and got freedom <laughs> and I'm looking for a way to get hooked up to it is that well, what I mean? well,
1: if, if, if that's how you're gonna take it that's fine <laughs> but but you know Portia when you say that word freedom I can't help but to think about how unfree in a way society has been you know for for most of uh 2020 you know one of, right. my, one of my bassoon uh heroes uh, another uh brown-skinned woman uh Monica Ellis of Imani Wins okay t- she tickled me so bad uh and this was back in April April, she put on Facebook that uh, uh, a parent shouldn't be spending this much time with their child, you know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think I might have to agree with her. (laughs) Yeah,
1: And and, and, and that's what I wanted to ask you. You know, you're uh, in in a, you know, in addition to being an educator and a business owner, you know, you're, you're a mother. How, how has, has COVID impacted your relationship with your own children?
2: (laughs) Oh oh my gosh, we are way closer than we need to be right now. And, (laughs) and and she's great. She's 13 and um, just, more it's like she's clingier now than when she was a couple years ago ago and you know like it's you know it's hard because you don't want um you want to make sure that the time that they spend at home is productive and not spent in front of like netflix or disney mm-hmm. plus you know all day or on youtube scrolling through videos um and so we have um, my husband and I have like set, um, you know, some sort of like guidelines for her. Like she has to earn her technology at, by practicing or reading or something like that, which he's when he's not home, like, I don't always stick to that, you know? So <laughs> I'm just like the pushover parent at this point because I'm too, I'm trying to figure stuff out right now, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I feel like this, you know, um, it's, it's, it's been crazy. You know, like some days we'll, we'll spend, she's, she's like a very like family oriented type of kid. Mommy, can we sit, um, you know, have dinner together? Let's play cards together, you know? And, and I like that she reminds us to continue, you know, to take advantage of this time because, you know, and then it makes me think, you know, she's growing up, she'll be like 16 in three years and, you know, 15, you know, after that, you know, they won't they don't want anything to do with you. So how will I feel then, you know, looking back on this time? So I tried to, you know, not you know not um complain about all the time that we have to spend together <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and then we are our, our our home is big enough to where you know I, I'm like I'm in what we call the dungeon right now, so that's our practice room space and um she could be in her room uh, and you know away from me and so we can come together when we need to and just kind of separate when we need to so so when
1: yeah so, so so i wonder how uh, uh the evolving relationship uh between you and your daughter sort of impacts the way um you see uh projects like teeny violini being applicable to the home you know you talk about you know earning privileges and you know other mm-hmm. uh, relationship getting tighter you know how 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 does that uh how do those ideas impact the way you see this as an at-home sort of teaching initiative especially considering you know COVID and everything that's happening.
2: Right. You know, um, I think that this is an opportunity. uh, Teeny Violini is an opportunity for parents and uh, and their kids to really kind of, you know, bond and get together. Because, you know, ultimately, we are our kids' first teacher. Their first musical experience is, you know, when they hear our voice or when, you know, we're, you know, singing, you know, a lullaby or whatever song, whether it's in tune or not, who cares? You know, like all the kid is interested in is you know, is um connecting with their parents' voice and so I think that um you know what this evolving relationship between me and my daughter and um you know and how it's impacted Teeny Violet is just that, you know, it's like, okay, so whereas I was in the classroom before and, you know, parents were not necessarily involved in, you know, in the musical experience with their kids. It was almost only through like our recitals and programs that they saw and then they were there with their cameras, with their video, um, with their uh,
1: um, iPhones and whatever. iPhones you know. and everything,
2: you know, not really paying attention, just trying to capture the moment. Right. <laughs> um, which is another but conversation.
1: Now, but... Right, which is another <laughs>
2: conversation. <laughs> but now this is an opportunity for parents to actually see, you know, how to engage with their kids in a very meaningful and musical way. And so um, I think that's also a blessing, you know, with all of this in a way that I think, you know, Teeny Violini can help you know just really uh uh bring about the importance of music and the like family music making so yeah yeah
1: what do you think is the um, the future of that experience with all the kids and the classroom and the you know the the parents with their the cam- I, I always revert to saying camcorder because that's what all my videos were <laughs> camcorder as a kid. you know is Don't is get me started. yeah all right, yeah whatever it was in the film strip Scott or... <laughs> you I had to planned. draw those pictures real fast. <laughs> Uh, no, but I mean, but do you think that's that's over? And 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 I guess this is just my way of sort of segueing into the uh, the conversation of going back to school. You know, I am not a parent; I don't have kids, so I hate to you know imply you know my lack of you know experience to you know, <laughs> what other parents are doing. But okay. sending a, a child back into any school right now just seems really scary to me. That doesn't seem like yeah. something I would be comfortable with. What what are you, what, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I Yeah, so I'm the same way Uh, and I I I don't judge anybody who you know who has to send their kid back to school for other reasons Um, but I mean for 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 me and my house, you know um, You know, I just am not comfortable, you know with the idea of of her going to school and you know and I think if if I had more confidence in um, in our our public school system and our governor, then maybe that would be uh, a different story. But I don't think that they are equipped. You know, um, I don't think that they will provide adequate um, funding um, in order to give these schools the things that they need um, in order to really protect our kids and um, make sure that they're safe, you know, while they're in schools. I just, I, I you know, I don't I'm not sold on that yet. So that's why I don't think that it's safe. I mean, can it be, can there, is there some option or some scenario where, you know, it could be safe? Maybe, but, um, you know, I, I haven't been presented with, um, that yet. So for me, no.
0: Have you, but you've started doing some online work, haven't you?
2: Yes. Yes. Okay,
0: so um, last week, Garrett and I started talking about um, this push to make everything shorter, you know, like um, yeah. program programs shorter and and the programs that kids watch, they cut really quickly. It's really fast moving. Yeah. So if you're working with them online, does that work in your favor since you're on the computer screen? and they like to, and they like to watch screens or does it work against you because they're just watching you doing this program?
2: So it, so it, if it's live, then it's, it's, it's to my benefit, but it's the same thing, you know, it's, it's, (laughs) it's almost the same thing. Um, um, as if we were in person, because I mean, with our little kids, you only have a window of time and it's anywhere between 10 to 15 minutes, <laughs> you know, and 20 minutes, um, 20 minutes on a, on a, if I'm, I'm like, I feel like a rock star. If it's, if I got 20 minutes of their attention, you know, we're going so, but you know, um, uh, but 10 to 15 minutes is usually the time span. And so I, I'm not, completely for like, you know, those pre-recorded sessions where, you know, yeah. um, you know, you just kind of just watch and stare. And you're not really, you know, some kids do it, but unless the parents are there kind of, you know, encouraging them or doing the activity with them, I don't, I am, you know, I, I personally am not a fan of those, but like if it's like live interaction where they can get instant feedback and you know, you can encourage them. Like I've been experimenting a little bit. I, I just did some trial. Like I have a, a little student that I've, you know, she's two. And she's in Costa Rica and, you know, we've been doing some virtual lessons and it, her mom was like, OK, let's do this. And I'm like, Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> but um, so, you know, and 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 she's been teaching me a lot. Those lessons have been teaching me a lot about how do I plan my um, how do I plan my sessions and what's enough, you mm-hmm. know, and, and being OK with that and making sure I give them enough you know movement and enough um just activity so that you know by the time we're done with our you know 10 or 15 minutes i i feel like we you know i've made an imprint i've made an impression when we've done something so it kind of works you know um it works to my advantage in that way so um yeah and it's honestly like the lessons have been sticking you know like she comes back and but mom is also um, the type of mom that works with her, like, mm. so they go back and she reinforces it. So I think that's an opportunity there. Um, um, you know, with the, with the time limit, you know, um, cause with, with my age population, it doesn't need to be a whole lot. And I prefer if they didn't spend that much time in front of the screen.
0: I wish, I wish my folks would have started me when I was two. Man, I think where I might be now.
1: (laughs) Wow, Uh, I I definitely want to give you the uh, opportunity to talk about one of your uh, more uh, uh, adult-centered initiatives. But um, you know, just 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 to put a cap on uh, the teeny violini uh, portion Mm -hmm. of this conversation, I wonder, you know, um, what you say to those parents who don't really understand uh, the value of of that kind of um, education. You know, uh, my I've talked about on the podcast before about how my mother didn't you know uh, and immediately understand how playing the bassoon could you know lead to a career or a life or you know what, what do you what do you say to those parents who don't yet see the value of this of this sort of music education especially for um, black kids
2: yeah you know i would just you know tell them to keep an open mind you know because you just never know where your kids are going to be what path they're going to take and you know what um you know what The lessons that they learn or the things that they get involved in at an early age or you know, how their interests are gonna play a a a role in their career. So like I, I love um Jamie Foxx, right? And mm-hmm. so and I don't know if you've ever heard like an interview, and this was like this is me paraphrasing the interview, but he always talked about like how his grandma um would um encourage him, you know, in his piano playing and his um acting and everything. And he would just take these things and put them in his little toolbox, you know, and then like, you know, and so so he had all of these, these uh and, and music, you know, sticking with um, piano, you know, and he's such a great musician, um, sticking with piano and, and and singing and all of these things were, you know, even though they weren't really at, the, at that particular time, they, he didn't really see them, you know, just, you know, doing much for him career wise. Right, right. um, but later on, you know, now look at him, you know, when you, you know, when he's on the stage, I mean, he could, he's a solo man, you know, he's he, a one man show. Anything, yeah. He can do anything, you know, and, it, and he, and he provided so many streams of revenue for himself because, you know, he, his, his grandmother, you know, who, I think he said that she was like a laundry later or something like that. She was, you know, she didn't have much of an education, but she had the the foresight to see, you know, you hold on to that, you, you know, hone that skill, that talent, and, um, you know, you make it work for you when it needs to work for you. So I would just tell parents to, you know, keep an open mind and um, encourage your kids um, in whatever endeavors or interests that they have now, because you just never know how it's going to serve them in their future and how it's going to benefit them and what streams of income it's going to provide for them and what kind of retirement that's going to bring for you. So, you know, just
1: like. (laughs) That's a great selling point right there.
0: (laughs) Uh, I I have one last question before we move away from teeny violini too, because Garrett over and over and over affirms this idea that m- more current music should be inc- included in curriculum you know like rap and hip hop teach mm-hmm. young kids that they can make beats that they could do video game music it doesn't have to be this you know the the orchestral path that a lot of people see but the kids that you're working with you mentioned that they work with the melody for twinkle twinkle maybe the hot cross buns that sort of thing so i was curious if you could talk to the importance of those simple songs from our childhood you know our, our first exposure to singing or, or, or making music can you talk about the importance of those basic songs
2: well okay so I I use those basic songs because you know um, those are the ones that I, I'm familiar with they have really simple melodies they're easy for kids to learn you know they you know, um, they tend to be in major, you know, they don't do a lot of, um, um, leaping around. Um, and I think it's, it's an easy access point for kids. I also write a lot of music for my kids as well. So, but I write, I write it based on, you know, just really simple melodies. Um, uh, as well so you know i think it's really important just to kind of get kids you know building that basic music competency just getting them to just kind of you know feel their ways just like you know when you're walking you crawl first or you roll first and then you Mm. kind of pull up and you know some kids just run first but you know but generally (laughs) speaking you know just it's this idea of just kind of layering you know just kind of scaffolding layering um um, uh, music. And so you start with the simplest thing. So I think that's why they're important. But I also you know, to Garrett's point about um, just incorporating um, more modern music and ideas and some of the stuff that they, um, or contemporary, um, mm-hmm. some of the things that they're listening to. And I'm not opposed to that if it's clean, you know, and <laughs> sure. if, it is, if, if I can take, if it has a really nice beat and we can maybe remix Twinkle or remix, you know, a song or put it in a way, or maybe, uh, uh, or I can break down a rhythm for them in, in that sort of way and just kind of make it a little bit more accessible for them, then I'm not opposed to it. I mean, I think, you know, music education um, is, is shifting, and I think, you know, especially with COVID and, you know, with the pandemic and everything, um, we have a, a, a great opportunity to really kind of start, you know, reshaping and, and start including the things in our curriculum and, and the way we teach and how we present music to kids that we weren't able to do before. And actually, I I um I was listening to your 420 podcast, um, uh, <laughs> which is really cool, by the way. Um, and the gentleman who you you had on, I was, you know, I think he, you know, made a really great point about, um, you know, it's okay for us to kind of stick with the little stuff, um, with the uh, a few of the traditional things, but you also, you know. It's you, now's the time to start expanding and just interjecting those ideas. I we talked like my kids know reggae and rap and jazz and they'll my like, art like I'll introduce them to something one class and the next class be, Miss Portia jazz 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 Miss Portia jazz. So I'm like yes baby jazz, jazz.
0: I wanna I wanna see <laughs> I wanna see what John Coltrane would look like in your method.
2: <laughs> now that yeah, I'm gonna have to take some time with that one. Some giant steps. <laughs> some baby steps with that one. I'm gonna take yeah. some baby steps
1: with that one. <laughs> so uh tell us uh tell us a little bit about uh your night um foundation uh funded project. Because as I mentioned, you know, you you have these uh, initiatives f- uh, for kids, but this sounds like something that um uh,
2: adults could really benefit. Yeah. For the grown folks, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um so um so this night this night um uh uh, uh foundation uh project is called um music of the unsung america celebrating shadow um celebrating black composers in the shadows of the of of history Mm -hmm. and so the 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 um the the idea for this project or the um what do you say um I feel like I'm speaking another language, <laughs> the encouragement, inspiration, inspiration. Come on words. Um, the inspiration for this project came from uh, my realization of how ignorant I was about mm. um, Black composers um, in our field. And, you know, and this actually happened last year. You know, when I first joined Sphinx through their Sphinx lead program Mm -hmm. and I, you know, I met all these black composers. I mean, I've met all these black musicians and then I met, you know, and then I started to, you know, you know, hear compositional works from, you know, black composers. And I'm like, oh, shoot, that's right. There are black composers. And you would think that, duh, Portia, why wouldn't there be? But, you know, I you know, we're so groomed uh, in a certain way, in a certain tradition that, you know, Conditioned. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Um, So we're so conditioned and uh, with a certain mindset that you never even consider thinking that, you know, to ask the question, well, hold on, wait a second. Why aren't there any Black composers? Mm -hmm. Like, where are they and why aren't they here? And so, that was my process. That was the beginning of like my own journey of like, man. And I just started, like, I had this period where I was really angry. Like I got student debt and I don't know anything about (laughs) black composers. Mm -hmm. Listen, listen, (laughs)
1: yes.
2: (laughs) So, So, you know, and, um, in one of our lead retreats, um, when we were in New York, um, you know, we had this, you know, this panel of black excellence, um, and um a lot of musicians were there we were at juilliard and um lee Coons was there and then i found out about gateway gateways yeah, yeah. so i never heard about this it was like oh my gosh does this place really exist and it was like you know it was like the willy wonka chocolate factory of you know of, of you know black music and so i was just like different yes, kind of chocolate like- this is a different. Come on now, it's a different kind of chocolate. <laughs> so, so, you know, I started thinking like, um, oh, wow, I wish we had something like that in South Florida. You know, I wish we had a place like that, um, um, a group. And then, you know, here's the, the Sphinx Orchestra with all, you know, these, you know, black and brown musicians. And it's just like this, you know, this just like this beautiful, you know, rainbow on the stage and this rainbow coalition on the stage. And you're just like, okay. Like this is what I need in my life that I did not realize I was missing, right? And so that's when the project that was the inspiration for the project. Um, and then we met um, um, with the Knight Foundation in um, in Miami on a, another retreat. I was able to get some insight into you know um, to what they were looking for for projects. And then I wrote and then I wrote um, a project proposal. They said, Oh, yeah, we're interested. Write some more. And so there, I was like, Oh, okay, okay, all right. So alright, so, okay, so what is this idea again? You know, and so mm-hmm. then I started to flesh out it being a, um, you know, a two-day concert lecture series that um, uh, promotes the works of um, um, black composers, and um, these works would be performed by an orchestra or an ensemble of black and brown musicians in historically black places in uh, in oh, South wow. Florida. Wow. So, wow. you know, that was the the project, and that was the idea, and so you know, for us, you know, a lot of Miami, um, and South Florida, like the, in the early, earlier parts of, um, in the, when Miami was first settled, um, you know, the black church was a huge, um, a huge part of that. And so, you know, I went and spoke with some of the pastors of, um, the churches here and they really, um, were down with the idea. And so it was just kind of finding a place and that was great. And then COVID happened, you know, right, right. um, and so now it's transitioning into something different you know i'm working with a friend of mine um tevin um chapman i don't know if you know him he's uh, the new exec newly uh uh executive director of um the the dc uh, opera okay okay so anyway but he's a great guy he's a great guy and um and he uh so we've been working together he's my sphinx lead brother so we've been working together on the project and um Uh, just really trying to see how we can adapt it in this new era so it's instead of having it in um, in black spaces or maybe we will do live streaming in black spaces it's going to turn into like a four or five part um, concert live part um, live concert streaming and it's still going to be providing opportunities professional paying opportunities for black and brown musicians because I am listen, don't, I don't, I don't play with people's money. Don't play with mine. I won't play with yours. I promise you, you work with me. You will always get paid. <laughs> gotcha.
1: Gotcha. That's good to know. <laughs> How can, um, how, how can folks, um, find out more and, and donate, uh, to this? Oh yeah. Uh, so
2: definitely the, the night arts challenge grant is a matching grant. And I'm in the process of raising the, um, the 58,000 matching grant for that. So, um, matching dollars for that. Um, you can, if people want, um, are so inclined and would love to donate and help this project, um, you know, come to fruition, you can, um, I, there's a link. Um, well, you can go to the Miami Foundation. Um, they're my fiscal sponsor for this project. Um, so you can go to the Miami Foundation and do a project search for the, um, for the Unsung America Project Fund, and you can make a donation there.
1: And then I'll I'll make sure to have uh, links and all this information in the description of this episode, and also at Triloquy.org for folks to find that. And then yes. how can um, and then how can parents uh, learn more about uh, teeny violini and how they can uh, get their kids involved?
2: Well, I'm so glad you asked, Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I am on all social media platforms, um, Facebook, Instagram. Although I'm not as active on Twitter, um, but Facebook, Instagram. I guess that's yeah. <laughs> Those are the platforms, Teeny Violini. Um, you can um, do a search and definitely like my page. You can send a message um, or uh, a DM me, uh, d- right? DM me or instant message me. Um, yeah, yeah, I think
1: you that's know, what the kids are saying, right? DM. The DM,
2: right? <laughs> um, And I would, you know, promptly return your call, you know, your 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 message or your call, or you can email me at um, Teeny Violini, T E E N Y V I O L I N I. Uh, at g- gmail.com. gmail dot com and that's probably the quickest way to get to me because my my email is always um, open on my on my phone or on my laptop or something. So um, yeah, and you can also visit the website um, com, to get more information about programming and what I do. Um, or you can, Friend me on Facebook, Portia Dunkley, you know, send me a message and say, hey, I I heard about your program. Yeah, let's talk. Uh, So I'm pretty, you know, open. um, And those are the ways that you can definitely reach out to me. And yeah, just give me a holler.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much. for being on Triloquy. <laughs> You know, f- uh, f- folks love to rag on the state of Florida, but, you know, you are you are proving that there is so much value down there. Thank in you.
2: Th- this is my <laughs> mission in life, Garrett. OK, this is my mission in life <laughs> to prove that we have sense down here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and thank you for reminding me about the uh, re. I think I would give that a listen uh, again. Oh, oh that
2: whole album is everything. OK, yes. <laughs>
1: Thanks so much for talking with us.
2: It was definitely my pleasure and an honor. Thank you both for inviting me to, to be on your show. <laughs> this is fun. Brown skin, you know I love your brown skin. I can't tell where yours begins, I can't tell where mine is. Brown
1: Okay. Once again, shout out to uh, Portia Dunkley. Thank you uh, so much for being on. I hope y'all will check out everything she's doing uh, uh, with Teeny Violini and also um, her uh, her project in collaboration with the Na- Knight Foundation. Uh, great to talk with her. Um, and, and as you mentioned in the conversation, Scott, you were there uh, in Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know, for her presentation at uh, Sphinx Tank, caught my attention. Uh, she seems was like first, she, and I went you know,
0: boom. There, there's your setting winner the,
1: setting the setting the bar. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah, so I I hope she gets all the things because she is really doing it. And and again, I'm glad that she uh, brought up that uh, NDRE song, uh, Brown Skin, love that. <laughs> um, you know, quick shout-out and, and to John Delvento, Vento, uh, who she mentioned from our uh, 420 opus. Um, before we get into the Triloquy, I just wanted <laughs> to have a little giggle with you. Uh, shout-out to Jeffrey McNeil, you know, the Phantom, you mm-hmm. know, uh, who, who's who been a Triloquy a little while ago. He got on— um, on facebook and said there needs to be an ode to the joker and harley quinn called clown skin (laughs) he is silly shout out to jeff all right let's get into this triloquy
0: okay we're trapped everyone for himself
1: what i want to just you know quickly say at the beginning of this triloquy so you know one of the podcasts i listen and and this isn't a like an angry triloquy but you know a a vulnerable you know true and real so you know one of the podcasts i listen to every week is called uh the read you know most folks know it they actually took a uh an unannounced two-week break and came back and talked about you know how the stresses were just you know piling up and having a a forward-facing job, you know, you know, having, mm-hmm. have, having a gig where you're talking to people and, you know, trying to be that positive energy or whatever, you know, how that can be taxing in this world where COVID is not going anywhere. You know, this racial injustice is not going anywhere. You know, the, the, the financial challenges being put down on, you know, none of that is going anywhere and it's getting taxing and it's getting taxing for me. And, you know, one of the ways that um, I've worked on you know myself and keeping my own sanity. I've been uh, talking with Caesar Savetta. You know, shout out to him. He gave us the Paul Ropes and Opus. He'll be back to talk about Louis Armstrong. Nice. Um, you know, he's been introducing me to some of the tenets of Buddhism, and um, it's helping me calm down. And I don't know if I'm ready to to cross the bridge completely or or whatever. What whatever the journey looks like, but mm. my conversations with Caesar have have really. Done something for me, so I'm 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 looking forward to you know coming back and speaking more about that. The more I learn,
0: can you give a snippet? Is there one tenant of Buddhism that's speaking to
1: you? Is there what what is it that you're you're digging right now? Well, the biggest things that we've been exploring are the ten worlds. So you know these different um, uh, uh, sort of statuses. Um, Mm -hmm. with the bottom or with, you know, with, I, it's hard to even say bottom and top, but you know, with one extreme being hell, you know, just being in constant frustration of something and then, you know, the other end being, you know, enlightenment, you know, not being worried about, you know, life's challenges and all that sort of thing. Like Nina Simone said, to live without fear. Amen. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll come back with more on that, but I just wanted to make sure, uh, I mentioned that, um, you know I, I, we had joe biden give that downbeat you know joe biden is given all of these and again i'm not trying to get political here but we got joe biden giving missteps that you know making black folks seem some sort of way um donald trump is doing what donald trump has done you know what what are we what What reality is 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 this? What what are we to do? We are in an episode of Black Mirror. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, as we tape this, there was an executive order a couple days ago with you know the cancellation of payroll tax and, um, you know, what does that mean for um, paying it back? Because it's not actually a payroll tax holiday. You know, so all of this you know, jargon that that gets into the weeds that that people just aren't going to hear. You know, people need that money. People need whatever they can get. And we're we're, we're digging ourselves into a crazy hole here.
0: This is what happens when you go shopping and you see a sofa that you can't do without or you go and get a new car or whatever and they, or probably not with a car, but you know what I'm saying, where they go uh, you get two years interest-free financing. And what they don't tell you is that at the end of that two years, then it kicks in at like 24% and you're responsible for everything leading up to it. So this Uh, You know, capitalism and COVID are going hand in hand, Garrett. And you've been talking a lot about capitalism. And I I have to say that right now, the people who have money still have it and are making more of it in the stock market. And they are refinancing their monster homes, their, their multiple homes in some instances at historically low interest rates right now. Um, probably they'll, they, they'll be able to go in and buy up properties uh, that marginalized communities now occupy at fire sale prices and will further push the people who are uh, struggling without insurance or poor insurance. Um, they are delivering our groceries and our um, Uber Eats and all of these sorts of things—they are the ones who are out there that the highest risk of getting the virus. And you know, I'm sitting here thinking, well, I'm not—I don't even want to order anything off of Amazon anymore.
1: To I've canceled I, my Amazon. I don't—I don't want not any, to make a statement here, but you know, I have no. That's but that's—that's
0: that's something that happened. And and you talk about—I—I I really think the the office that was supposed to be on the lookout four pandemics, right around, it was created when Ebola was a thing. This administration closed that office in 2018. Okay, so already they're saying we don't care about that. And I think, look at the news, there, there's no, there has been nothing done on healthcare. In fact, they try, they've tried to take away uh, the Affordable Care Act just just recently in the midst of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. This administration has said, we're going to have a, we're going to have a great health care plan in two weeks. That was four weeks ago. They keep kicking it down the line. I think they're going to let this ride because the biggest hunk of people that are being affected by it are poor and minority.
1: So what are we to do in our role in the arts to kind of deal with that you know we can't be the you know look over here uh, d- distraction you know there are ways for the arts to directly you know impact this but you know it's 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 getting out of of control and it's beginning you know so a lot of my stresses are you know again how can I, you know, have some sort of positive impact on this? And when the when the problems are are, are seeping down deeper and deeper, you know, it's one thing for us to talk about, you know, um, kids not having access to education. You know, um, you know the the concert hall being closed seems like you know not important compared to that. Mm-hmm. But then when you take the school issue with the fact that people just can't eat, can't, you know, pay their rent. You know, there was some video that came out of Memphis, you know, uh, of, of some lady being dragged out of her you know, apartment, you know, that, that she's being uh, evicted from. You know, we we are in trouble. We are in trouble and we have to find every way we can to make this better for each other, you know. In, in, in whatever way we can um I'm, I'm moving forward scott with my work when it when it comes to you know deib you know they're adding belonging to mm. diversity equity inclusion uh belonging mm. I'm, I'm moving forward with all that but it's hard for me not to step back from the the picture sometimes and and say to myself what are we really moving toward you know what how, how can we talk about the concert hall when there are so many other issues out here um, that, are, that are impacting people? And what I always go back to is, well, you know, those artists, you know, those black artists, those marginalized artists, you know, need support, too. You know, mm. their, their lives, their black lives matter, too. Um, that, that's what I always come to. But I'm having, a, I'm, I'm having a hard time, you know, looking at the reality of, of how everything is looking. What is the new normal going to be? Because uh, it's not this. I have no idea. Um I was going to uh talk a little bit about the Bobby Schmurder thing. We've been <laughs> did I hijack it? I'm we we've we, we 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 been going for a while and you went off so um <laughs> I, I I I think we'll, we'll 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 save it for next time. Um thank you th- thank you for listening. I know so- sometimes we kind of ramble, but I guess my final little word here is um you know, batting down the hatches. we got a shit storm coming. um hopefully not before next week, though. <laughs>